Welcome to this week's edition of For the Love of the Frame. My name's Tim, and sitting here to my left, you'd be wasting your time talking to him. However, you would not be wasting <laughs> your time dancing with him. <laughs> Ian. People can't see, but I'm <laughs> dancing right now. He but, actually does that dance every time we record. Yeah. Yeah. We're actually all doing a coordinated dance. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, was that the first like TikTok? Was that like the, the inspiration? Because I was like, that's a very, the way they're doing the same dance. I was like, that's a very like TikTok now. It is. Thing. That's true. That is very TikTok. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing something like that before that movie. It is amazing. It is a total non sequitur in the movie. Yeah. And that's what makes it's it so perfect. good. Yeah. That's what. And, and even like the drunken way and then like he like times it so he hits the lights. Yeah. But like all the light, like it goes red, right? Yeah. Or it, you know, and then they immediately fall into this synchronized coordinated yeah. dance and you're just like, what? <laughs> I was, I watched I like it. the longer version uh-huh. on YouTube and then, uh, well, like a wedding video came up where yeah. a wedding couple and it was really awkward. So I turned it off halfway through. <laughs> That was too weird. <laughs> well, also with us is Aaron, who you're just never wasting your time talking to Aaron. <laughs> That's true. Dancing, talking. Yeah. Never a waste. <laughs> never a waste. <laughs> we are here to discuss the 2015 film Ex Machina. And I say that with confidence because I took two semesters of Latin in college. And so... I don't know what the filmmaker intends, but I confidently pronounce it Machina. Um, It is written and directed by Alex Garland. Um, This is actually his directorial debut. Mm, Um, And we are doing this because we are a podcast of the people. Our mutual friend, Ramon, I wanted to to give him a shout out. He- Ruben. Yeah. (laughs) Don't do that to me. (laughs) I'm making progress, okay? I am making progress. His name is Ramon. I have to remind myself. Um, It's his request. And honestly, uh, I was waiting, uh, you know, there's a lot of robot nudity in this movie. So I was a little shy to like, you know, but once it was a fan request, we're just, we're a podcast of the people. And so I gladly went along. I, not to tip my hand. Likes, not not what I mean, Hey, I can't account for that. We're doing what people ask us. Yeah. Uh, I feel like we do need a disclaimer on this one. This one yeah. definitely has the most nudity of There's any a lot of robot nudity. Watched. Yeah. Yeah. It's all uh, robots though. So it's fine. That's right. Robots that look like people. Right. Yeah. Convincingly like people, yeah. but <laughs> they are robots. Um, yeah. And so, uh, thanks Ramon. I, I have long wanted to talk. To, I, I know I've bored Ian with this before. Yeah. I made I'm, you watch I'm this. interested to talk about it again. Cause that uh-huh. was like whenever, I mean, that was a few years ago. Now. When COVID first happened, yeah. I remember doing it by zoom. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. This one is one. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah, actually that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that was three years ago, probably years, yeah. or almost three years ago. Probably. Mm-hmm. Okay. Was that the first time you'd seen it? That was the first time I'd seen it. Yeah. I'd heard good things about it and I wanted to watch it, but I hadn't gotten around to it yet. Yeah. And so, but now that, I feel like that was like the beginning of the developing of my 
you know, cinematic, uh, yeah. criticism. Yeah. So it was interesting to go back and watch it again. Yeah. I actually, I know we usually as part of the podcast talk about when we first encountered the film, I think that's a particularly important for this one because it's dealing with, with artificial intelligence mm. and it came out in 2015. We now live in a world in 2023 where artificial intelligence is really, you know, it's taking its step yeah. into the mainstream where, you know, there are these chats and in all kinds of ways that, that, you know, anyone can just interact with artificial intelligence in increasingly convincing ways. And so I, I feel like even the evolution of how you would see and appreciate and interact with this film has changed from 2015 till now. And so even if you've, if you've seen it, you know, you can track that progression. And if you're just new to it now, I think the movie's still weirdly prescient or, or has things to, to increasingly say. That's so, what hit yeah. me. The, I saw it around the time it came out and it's the only time I've seen it. And I just remember uh, at that time feeling like, well, what a, what a wild like sci-fi idea, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I've never been that in tune with kind of tech development. So I don't know if that's true of 2015, but that's how I felt. Yeah. And Watching it, I think it's only the second time I've seen it was uh, the other day for this. And um, that really struck me. That was one of the things that struck me the most this time around. I was like, this feels like it probably is happening. Yeah. Like, and the the questions that the movie, I just thought about the movie differently this time yeah. around. So I'm I'm excited to talk about it. I think the first time around, I just thought it was a cool movie. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it was interesting, but the questions definitely hit closer to home this time and yeah. I'm, I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah. I, I vividly remember seeing this. I saw this uh, with my wife, the two of us at the South Lamar draft house, um, which back in 2015, it was, they had, I think fairly recently remodeled it or, or built yeah, it. Yeah. You know, that it, whole area. It was that whole area. Yeah. Newish then. Um, so it was just one of our, we, we got out, you know, and, and, this movie was, I think, a, a little bit of a sneaky hit. You mm -hmm. know, it, it was uh, not that it like made a ton of money, but very well regarded, very mm -hmm. well reviewed, and yeah. so just I'd heard that, and so I wanted to see it. And I remember talking about it for a long time afterwards. And this is one of the persistent kind of trouble areas between me and my wife, where <laughs> I have very clear lines oh. with uh, yeah. <laughs> like consciousness and machines and I don't not regard them as human and mm -hmm. you can put it in the most convincing kind of human skin body thing and make it talk and make it feel pain or make, you know, yeah. and it's just, it's a very clear line to me. It'll like, never be you a human are a machine. You. Huh. you can sound sympathetic. You can, you know, but you're still programmed. You are not like an image bearer. I, it's just all those things don't go very far down the road with me. And my wife is the complete opposite view of uh, consciousness. And, and so it leads to a lot of like lively debates yeah. and very different perspectives. So I remember talking about this for a long time <laughs> at various points, maybe or may not have gotten more heated. I can't confirm or deny that. But uh, it's just been a long running, even movies that, that aren't this. What if this. she peeled down her arm? Yeah, and she was <laughs> I may have made that accusation. <laughs> Again, I cannot confirm any of these things. Um, you know, such a long time ago, who can remember? But um, Ro a robot could. Yeah, a robot <laughs> would remember. definitely yeah. remember. <laughs> um, 
I, I went back and looked because uh, it was kind of a smaller movie. Um, it won the Oscar for visual effects. Yeah, against against some really big budget. I can't remember what it was, but Star there was, Wars. Yes, yeah, there was one other there was one another too one. that really um, surprised me. It was a movie that I loved. Oh, Mad Max. Mad Max. Mad Max, Mad Max which was, was fantastic. That year, which was, those are crazy great. special effects. Yeah, yeah both of this them. This one yeah. still looks incredible, though. I, mean, I have that it, it does. same. It looks yeah. amazing. It looks really good. And they, they had a budget of $15 million for effects. Wow. And those other ones were oh, in yeah. the hundreds right, of millions. Yeah. So it was a major upset. Uh, I don't think anyone at the time was picking this movie to, to win. Yeah. Um, it was nominated, did not win, but nominated for Best Original Screenplay. Mm. And I was outraged because I love this screenplay, as yeah. we'll, I'm sure, get into <laughs> as this podcast goes. I never look up the winner and Aaron always asked me and I always say I didn't look up and I'm always <laughs> yeah. a little bit low-key embarrassed. So I went and I looked it up Oh, nice! and it made me matter. Oh, no. uh, not that I didn't like the movie, but Spotlight won uh, Best Original. Spotlight. The Boston Globe Catholic Priest Abuse oh, yes. cover-up movie. I like the movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, not, sure. not knocking the movie, but as a screenplay, it's more or less kind of telling a real-life story, which is, yeah. is, there's a place for that. But this is sort of an original right idea i i just i love this script i love this mm. this screenplay i love that it's basically three characters yeah. uh, you know there's a couple of minor supporting sure. ones and um whatever you want to consider kyoko Kyoto. <laughs> uh, but you know there are there's you know the, the helicopter pilot whatever i mean it's yeah. minor but it's essentially three characters um and i love the the triangle uh between them because they all have Maybe for those who maybe are, are, are hadn't seen this super recently, because I can do this because it's so quick. The three characters are, are Caleb and Ava and Nathan. Nathan's your tech genius. He invented the equivalent of Google or, or mm -hmm. you know, in their fictional world. Uh, in this movie, he did it when he was like 13 or 14, 15, something like that. Mm -hmm. He was like a teenager and wrote the source code for the search engine and is just this like incredible genius, whatever. Uh, he's the creator and developer of all the tech. You have Ava, who's the artificial intelligence robot, um, played by Alicia Vikander. Nathan's played by um, Oscar Isaac. And then Caleb is the developer, um, basically the, the Ian-like character. Who <laughs> I'm not like the genius. Kind one. of a mid-range developer. I, I, I was like, is this too on the nose? Yeah. And it just, I couldn't. I, I didn't know if Ian was feeling, you know, yeah. but then I knew Ian would think that he was uh, Nathan. <laughs> and so I, I wanted to see which one of the two of us, Aaron, would burst his bubble. But yeah. I just went for it. Yeah. I know uh, it happened eventually. Yeah. <laughs> I just want the people who are listening who are trying to maybe remember the movie, it helps them understand that, that sure. yeah. Caleb is the, the Ian like character. <laughs> <laughs> just so he he got he thinks he wins a a a like contest or something to, to come out to the reclusive billionaires Norwegian yeah. research facility slash home, but we find out later in the film. <laughs> He's I like when Caleb's like, but, but you like my code, right? <laughs> right. And Nathan's like, it's not that good. Yeah. Mediocre. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a touch better than mediocre. He's you're, like, you're okay. You're okay. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you're well, not bad, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's the meanest part. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. To, to go to your argument of, you know, sentient, yeah. like, I felt worse for Caleb than I did for uh, for Ava. Ava, you know? yeah. He's a real human getting slammed there. Like. <laughs> he, just, he was just basically getting, like, dunked on for the whole movie, like. <laughs> so he's the Ian character. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like that. I, I will say like for the uh, visual effects, um, 
the when when Kyoto stabs um, yeah. Nathan and then Ava stabs him. Those are two of the most satisfying stabs oh. I've ever seen in a movie. Like, they're so smooth. Yeah, it's the, so smooth. The noise, it's like, uh, we are talking about ASMR the other day. I could, <laughs> I could have an ASMR that's of that so scene. Weird. I feel like it could put me to sleep. Man, that's really creepy. I was wondering though. That like, might be the is, darkest thing I've ever yeah, heard. Yeah, that's pretty messed up. <laughs> just forget it's a stabbing scene <laughs> for a minute. And just, if you could just... Let the noise walk. Let it go on any more camping trips with water. Yeah, yeah. If I ever see Aaron with a knife, yeah. I'm going to walk away really He's fast. He's just like, guys, I can't sleep. Yeah. Just yeah. do you, this for me. You are wearing a white shirt like Nathan was that wearing. That is true. Ian, so. That is very true. I'm intrigued. It's a good thing we're not doing this in a kitchen. <laughs> uh, this this is, um, I'm encouraged by, by this direction. Um, uh -oh. I am. Because... We'll get there. Are there any any technical aspects or any acting notes or before we dive into the to the meat of the story, um, just about setting, you know, just the, this kind of stuff we ordinarily talk about. Anything come to mind? I really liked Oscar Isaac in this. He does a great job. I mean, he just kills it. Like, he really knows that character. And with there only being three characters, and he's really setting the tone of the whole movie because Caleb – is coming in. He doesn't really know what's going on. And you, he's kind of the audience like fill in. And so you're seeing everything through his eyes and you're coming into Nathan's house and he's the one. And then Ava's kind of like comes in later, but he's the real one that sets the whole tone of the movie. Like whenever Caleb is kind of wandering around at night and he doesn't really know what's going on yet. And then Nathan is there on the couch in the dark watching him just with the beer, he's like sitting there with his, <laughs> his shirt like unbuttoned with the beer just like sitting on his stomach. You're like, whoa, okay, this guy's kind of weird. And it just like <laughs> gets weirder and weirder from that. But yeah, and then the dance scene, we were talking about that. It's great. But yeah, he, he does a great job. I feel like his his role really stood out in this. Yeah. It's just fun to watch. I... I, like I said, I saw this when it came out in the theaters. I've seen this movie several times since. It's one mm. that I go back to quite often. I enjoy it very much. It's hard for me, especially in the last probably three, four-ish years, somewhere in there. Nathan has a striking resemblance to our mutual friend, Justin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And I cannot separate that. The beard okay, and the bald yes. head and the, the muscles and the glasses yes. and even the the kind of bro familiar like the way <laughs> he kind of interacts, he you know take out the the tech genius part. He is such like yeah. I have abuse. a strong like oh yeah yeah, yeah. You know. <laughs> well, a super throw that out there. <laughs> it's a super strong association for me, and I can't watch it and not immediately associate <laughs> it. And it's just it very it's a very yeah. active uh, ingredient in my taking in of the movie. Um, I love Oscar Isaac. He's one of my favorite working actors yeah. now. I, I love him in pretty much anything mm -hmm. he's in. Uh, his talents are wasted in Star Wars. And so I <laughs> don't chalk it up to his fault. But in everything else he's in, I, I just think he's fantastic. I think he makes this film. I also think uh, Alicia Vikander, like to play, like the role is you have to be artificial intelligence, mm -hmm. but you're the artificial intelligence that's, basically doing the test on the human. Mm -hmm. And so you have to be 
like robotic enough that it's not like, like you have to see that there's a tension there while being believable while like at the same time tugging on heartstrings. Like, like she has to project a certain amount of vulnerability, a certain amount of fear. Like it's a very nuanced, mm. I, I think because I've seen this so many times, like I, I really dial in and it's a very nuanced, it's not just be a robot. I think that's an easy role to play. It, it's, you have to be like a human, like, but not quite. You have to be like, like 98% yeah. human. And I think she does a really, really, really good job. Um, because if you don't buy, like once you know the twist of the movie, I think you see it differently, but you have to believe that, that um, Caleb is, is genuinely helping someone who is, yeah kind of in this prison or in this really bad place. And if you don't buy that, none of the premise really works. And then it makes the payoff that much more delicious that yeah. she's actually been playing him mm -hmm. the whole time. And, and so I, I think that requires uh, a certain quality of performance. Um, that, but it's, it's really unique too. Cause yeah. the whole, I mean, for most of the movie, you, she's like this weird, like, robot CGI thing. And yeah. it, it's just like, it's only the kind of her face right. with, and, and so it's very so it's pronounced a of voice. Right. Yeah. And, and she does a lot with that. Yeah. I was, I was impressed by all and of that. Small things like in those interviews, uh, Caleb is sort of seated facing her yeah. with the divider, but he's very composed and in a very small space. She has the bigger space, mm -hmm. but she's always pacing and mm -hmm. moving around, you know, and it's projecting that kind of thing. And I think it's an interesting you know, like in some ways like a mirror, but as the audience, when you're watching her, when she puts on the dress to, so you don't really perceive her, you know, the wig and the dress. So mm -hmm. that sort of robotic note gets erased or the, the visual cue gets erased and the difference, even as you're watching it, it's just, you get lulled, or at least for me, you get lulled back into like low key forgetting that she's a cyborg or whatever the right terminology is. <laughs> um, and I think you see that with, with Caleb is it's like he gets drawn in and he's charmed. But then when he's talking with Nathan about it afterwards, you can tell he he's always in the back of his mind evaluating her as like with the quality of the coding or the mm -hmm. quality or how it's happening. At least at first. At first. Is, yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I, mean, I haven't raved about, uh, you know, Gleason, but he does a good job too. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if you read this, but I was reading that she's a, uh, or she was a ballerina growing up. Really? Yeah. So she, okay. they, and I was reading, I think I might've read this on Reddit actually, but they were saying that she had a lot of dance training. And so if you watch just like the way that she walks, it's like, you're saying it's like 98% human, but then it's a little bit so, like too smooth mm -hmm. almost. And they're saying that was part of the reason that she just has very good body control. And I think it, really plays in this role, which is yeah, cool to see. Yeah, it's not, I just don't think not just anyone could play it. Yeah. Even at I the Hollywood A-list yeah. level, like mm. I feel like she really brought something unique yeah. um, to her, yeah. to the role. Yeah, she did a great job. It's hard to imagine it being done better. Mm -hmm. I agree. And that goes with Oscar Isaac too. Yeah, oh yeah. Is the right level of unsettling. Yeah, and the like the, the physicality like he's always lifting weights. Yeah. And also you know, like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, put your weights down. Yeah, stop. <laughs> um, but just the drinking and the the lifting weights, like he's very human. Right. AI robots don't need to lift weights. 
and AI robots don't get drunk. <laughs> the technology has not sad enough to drink. You know, th- those are things that are somewhat, you know, like intelligence and, and asking and answering questions and, and memories. And there's a lot that, that, you know, machine learning can share with, with human thought. Um, even they kind of cross the boundary into art, right? Like Ava was, you know, doing works of art mm. and, and that kind of thing. But John. like muscle building and working out and, and, you know, eating, drinking, that kind of thing. And it just feels like, like there's a certain, <laughs> like, like, I guess Oscar Isaac brings in just the way the character is written. There's a lot of humanity kind of exuding out of him. Yeah. In that, that way. Issue. Um, which I thought was an interesting kind of character choice. They just need to make an Irish AI. <laughs> <laughs> that one will drink. <laughs> Off the top rope. <laughs> wow. just like shot. Yeah. I'm just thinking of Banshees. Yeah. <laughs> That's just on my mind still. Brendan Gleeson uh, shedding a tear somewhere. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I agree. <laughs> your act, your actual point is humanness. Well, actually, he does have. Uh, he has like the the uh, teleological. I, I think that's the right word. Like existentialism about him, mm-hmm. and that's an interesting thing. Even too of like, would an AI ever have that? Or is that a is that just a complete human trait to like set a goal and pursue it? Well, just to like I my my main takeaway from Nathan was that he just felt caught up in kind of what was happening around him, and he didn't feel like he actually really had a lot of choice. I mean, maybe I think I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, but that was one of my main takeaways that it felt like he felt kind of, yeah, just caught up in a lot of ways. And he, he wanted to do something and he was really accomplishing things. But then I think at the end of the day, he didn't feel like satisfied or like he really was being at, like had as much autonomy as he wanted to. And so there, and I think that's why he was like drinking all the time and just like kind of falling off. I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I have some theories about all of that, it's which I wanted to ask you guys about. Because this question, I think one of the questions the movie's asking is like, what you know, what is a person? What does it mean to be right, human? Yeah. And Nathan, I think his character has the idea of this, this idea of like almost like inevitability or like progress, because yeah. he talks about oh, the way that humans looked at like what Neanderthals or cavemen or something, you know, and one day that's how AIs will be looking at humans. But he, he, there's no like, he seems like set on this idea of like AI, almost from a place of like, it's progression. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's the next like evolution. He says that it's inevitable. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's an inevitability to him, but like, it's not that like, what it is he's almost kind of lost like what it is to be human like that like connection and and um i don't know exactly what but it's an interesting question that that this movie's asking because in some ways um ava i think understands that but she's using it to manipulate mm-hmm. 
but Nathan's almost like lost it. I don't know. He's because he's manipulating too. Right. Yeah. Because he's he was looking at the same thing. Like the reason that Ava can manipulate Caleb is why Nathan picked him. Right. But uh, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. He, it's almost like he loses touch with the actual human element of it, and he just kind of sees Caleb almost as a robot too, or like as a machine, where it's like oh, I give you these inputs and these are the outputs that I expect. Like if my robot, if my AI is good enough, you'll give me a pass. And if it's not good enough, you'll give me a fail. But it's still like a closed system kind yeah, of. Yeah, the the way he sees humanity, it's almost like the, the way that Nathan does is it's almost like the goal is to like reach this like inevitable point of perfection, like mm-hmm. this evolutionary, like this is the end. Like we, we have arrived at like, and he's lost sight because uh, then Caleb's just a pawn. Right. And Ava's a pawn, whether yep. she's a human or not. Like everything's just a pawn to him, whether it's a machine or an actual person. He doesn't see them that differently. And Nathan like loses sight of like life, like the dancing, the drinking with, like he's doing like human thing, like things that would be human connection. Maybe that's mm. where I'm trying to go. He dances with Kyoto. He he wants to drink with Caleb, um, but he's lost like the humanity in those things, like the the connection and the, the actual warmth that are supposed to like, the these kind of intangible things that are supposed to be happening. And he he, it's like he's only seeing humanity as this like inevitable progression and, and he's lost sight of the, there's also there is meaning in the the moments of connection, the you know, laughing with someone, dancing with someone. Those those things mean something, and he's lost that. Yeah, and he's living in his rural Norwegian yeah. compound Fortress where of solitude. Yeah, yeah. It really he can is. be in a helicopter for two hours and still be on his land. Right, um, and he's surrounded by robots that he programs, and he dances with them and lives life with them, and you know. <laughs> So yeah, you're right. Like, like he's not around people. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he realized it because you see the loneliness and like the isolation yeah. wearing on him, but I don't think he's realized it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the interesting things about the film, um, in a lot of subtle ways, it pulls on Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. uh, the developer of the, the atom bomb, um, and, Soon to be released oh, summer yeah. Christopher Nolan, Nolan movie. Yeah. Is that this summer? It's this summer, yeah, I think wow. July. Um, and when he, there, there's the part of the movie where um, where Caleb says, uh, I forget the quote. <laughs> despair, look at me in despair. I, or yeah, like I've created, uh, I wish I wrote it down. Yeah. I didn't write it down. I am the destroyer. Yeah, I'm the destroyer of worlds. worlds. Um, yeah. It's that famous. And yeah. he thought that I, he did <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that Nathan didn't know, right? You know, and was kind of mansplaining or whatever, <laughs> right, and, yeah. You know, but there's the scene where um, when Nathan's drunk and he's reciting over and over to himself, yeah. Uh, and it's uh, it's a Hindu. I wrote it down and looked at it. It's Hindu Gita, G I T A. Mm. It says, "In sleep, in confusion, in the depths." of shame, the good deeds of a man he has done before defend him. He says it Mm -hmm. like as a mantra. Um, Yeah. Oppenheimer translated that, and that was his mantra that he would say to himself uh, in the days before testing the the bomb for the first time. 
And so I, I think the movie's trying to draw a certain equivalence, um, at least the way that N uh, Nathan regards himself mm -hmm. in similar way as Oppenheimer, as there's a way of looking at the, the atom bomb as someone was going to do it eventually. And that's what Oppenheimer said mm -hmm. um, at the time. He was just like, you know, he was leading the Manhattan Project, but like, if I don't do this, someone else will. Might as well be me. It might as well be for the good guys, whoever you define that as, right? Um, and so it's a very similar spirit that that Nathan is just like text advancing. This is plausible. Smart people are going at it. I happen to be one of the smartest. If I don't do this, at least I can do it and maybe, you know, break ground and do it. But I agree. His heart's not in it and his motives are kind of at best, reluctant and then miss you know he's mm -hmm. bending it to his will in some ways mm -hmm. he's taking advantage of it in other ways um, but it's not this pure thrill of of discovery there is a right. certain reluctance there but it's in a very jurassic park way of mm -hmm. like it's so pre pre or consumed with with can we there's not a lot mm -hmm. of should we and I think Nathaniel has a little bit of should we, but it's not enough to slow him down and not enough to stop him mm. because there, I think there is a little bit of ego there of like, you want to be the one and it's exciting and it's, it's, I think intellectually gratifying. Um, but I think he also knows that there's a lot of destructive downside to this kind of thing. Which he feels at the end. Which he feels <laughs> very much. Him, yeah. Twice. Very, <laughs> Aaron's just and reliving Aaron really it. He's just like yeah. zoned out right Hold now. On, I'm yeah. going to another place <laughs> right now, guys. I need to, this might be a bit of a transition, but I was so delighted that I had to, to write it down. And I have to pitch Aaron a softball because that's what I do. This is going to be. We watch a lot of movies, right? There are certain things that just, you know, blend into the background and there are certain things that just stand out. And so one of the things that stands out in this movie, when Caleb first gets settled in, you see him and he gets his, his can of Barbasol. And the camera just very yeah. prominently shows Barbasol shaving mm -hmm. cream. How often do we see Barbasol shaving cream? Not that often. Now, as a moviegoer and an avid yeah. movie fan, when you see Barbasol, Barbasol shaving cream, where does your mind go? Jurassic Park. Exactly. Dennis Nedry. Dennis Nedry. Dennis I think Nedry. this movie is at least somewhat drawing a comparison. <laughs> like a nod to between, Yeah, a little bit of a nod uh -huh. between Caleb and Nedry. And I want Aaron... It might be a new thought to you. You take a moment yeah. if you need. But I want you... In the best way possible, in honor of Barbersol and <laughs> shaving cream that no one uses anymore, what do you see are possible comparisons between Caleb and Dennis Nedry? <laughs> yeah, that's a good, yeah. I love this question. That's a good yeah, link. Like, I, I, I like couldn't that. wait it's, to do this. Yeah. I like that, yeah. I think uh, <laughs> off the top of my head, initial reaction, you have Nedry... Um, He's like a he's like a version of the you thought what you could do you didn't stop to think if you should I think the the possibility he got caught up in the excitement of for Nedry it's it's changing his life with a, you know he's not loyal to anyone he he wants the money mm -hmm. and he's uh, he's a little guy he feels unappreciated mm -hmm. you know he uh, he's a programmer there that's an <laughs> obvious. <laughs> Obvious. Mid-level. Yeah. Yeah, Mid-level programmer. Uh, his code is trash, according to um, Samuel yeah. L. Jackson. That's right. Um, uh, uh, uh. Yeah. 
So I think like what, what blinds Nedry to, he doesn't stop to think, should I do this? I think what blinds him to that is the kind of like mediocrity, probably banality of his life. And he just sees a quick path to like, I can change my life and this is exciting. And I think uh, Caleb, you know, when you first see him, he's in an office. He's a, I don't know how like um, accurate that is to kind of like the program. He's, he's a guy in like a cubicle farm, like type. He doesn't seem to be very prestigious or, you know, he's just there. Ian doesn't know anything about that. <laughs> yeah. Ian would know about that. Definitely don't work in a cubicle farm. That's for sure. <laughs> Ian has a throne that he <laughs> programs, the iron throne. Yeah. Um, but he seems to be like a guy, potentially talented, but kind of a guy. And he feels special. He feels picked and he's, he's going and, and then when he learns what it is, it's exciting. And, and I think, um, you know, he's not necessarily promised like riches, but I think the idea of being associated with like a new exciting thing kind of blinds him to the initial, like, wait a minute, what are we doing here? Like, is this right? Like, should I be going with this? Um, those are my off the top rope. Yeah. I like the question a lot too. That's a, that's a good connection. I did not, I did not get that at all. I might be a simple man, but when I see Barbersaw, yeah. I think Jurassic yeah, Park. That's and a, yeah. Surgery. That's a, maybe it's just cause I haven't watched direct Jurassic <laughs> Park as many times as you have. Um, yeah, it is interesting. I, there are a lot of similarities between Caleb and Nedry, but I, I also think too, like if you took the two, if you took Nathan and Caleb and combined them, then they're kind of a Nedry character in some mm. ways because he is like, he kind of steps in and like has his little, he's running the show. Like he basically is like a one man team in Jurassic Park. He's doing all of the security <laughs> stuff. He's doing like everything that makes the park run. He's doing it mm -hmm. on his own. And so he thinks that he's Nathan essentially. Like he mm. thinks he's just like genius guy who's underappreciated and so he like deserves everything that he's able to take because they don't give him enough. But he really is closer to Caleb where he's like doing stuff and, and he's fine, but he's not, he's not as smart as he thinks he is basically. And like you were saying, like he feels very small. And so it is, it is interesting to see the parallels between them. And I, and I feel like he's more of like a mix of the two where he like wants to be that Nathan character and Caleb it's funny. You see him kind of do the same thing because the first time he confronts Nathan, he's like, Oh, I see like you picked me because you knew I could write the ask, right. Ask the right questions. Mm -hmm. And Nathan's like, yep, that's why I picked you. <laughs> you did take a semester course in college. Right. On yeah, the, exactly. AI theory, on AI, so. Right. So obviously he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. So he, after a while, he's kind of putting himself, in, he has these delusions of grandeur, much like Nedry. Um, unlike Nedry, he doesn't get eaten by a dinosaur at the end of this movie. So he, that we know of. He has, that's true. That is, honestly, that might be the best case scenario for him. Seriously. Other than just like getting locked in that house. Um, but yeah, that is, yeah, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. I, I jotted down and not as detailed as you guys, but, um, both of them, uh, feature a very remote location, Isla mm. Nubar and mm -hmm. rural Norway. We have new creation in the form of the mm -hmm. AI robot and the dinosaur embryos. Um, we have a, a desire to, to seek to free the new creation 
Nedry's very crassly opportunistic in a financial way, but he is seeking to, to remove the monopoly or the, yeah. you know, from the one source and kind of spread it out. Um, I think Caleb's motives are a little more pure, but they are still seeking to free this new creation. Um, and they both fundamentally mistrust the kind of wealthy <laughs> kind of force of nature creator guy in the form of, uh, you know, Nathan and, um, why am I blanking on Attenborough's name, uh, in Jurassic Park? Um, shoot. It's going to bother me. I need to watch it again. See, this is what happens when you don't watch it every couple months. <laughs> it's like, right out of my I know, it's, right it's like really annoying, but yeah, whatever. Hammond. John Hammond. Hammond. That's right. John Hammond. Um, so I don't know. That, that's, that's my two cents. I do think they are. So they're not perfect analogs, sure. but there's enough there that I do think that Barbara Saul can. I will go to my grave thinking that was intentional, so. I've, I, I think you're it. right. Like yeah. that's it's, it's a weird detail, detail yeah. and the camera yep. does feature it. Right. I I think we've reached the point of the podcast where I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and I'm ready to be like <laughs> like what is it like, like Aragorn and and when he's surrounded by enemies. I. You know, let me frame it another way. <laughs> I, I'm gonna. I know I'm gonna end up in a minority position here, and I'm ready for it. Who's the good guy in this movie? And who's the bad guy in this movie? Mm. Yeah, that's. I was thinking about that. My my simple answer: I'm rooting for Ava. Yeah, and so that makes Nathan the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I don't. I don't really like. Any of them. Well, I don't I honestly, I think, and I, I feel like Tim maybe knew that I was going to do this. I might be most sympathetic, <laughs> sympathetic to Nathan in this movie. <laughs> or like. Actually, no, I, every time I've it, talked about this movie with people, I don't know if it's because of Nathan's resemblance to Justin that makes me <laughs> <laughs> go. I, Nathan is my favorite character in this movie mm. i am most sympathetic to him mm. oh wow i was getting all and set so up for me to I be thought, set yeah, up as a I bad figured guy you here. just go for caleb because you guys are basically twins um <laughs> caleb's so I, just a loser i, I miscalculated <laughs> I, 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 I thought <laughs> i'd be alone uh, most people and i think if you would read something you know an article or something mm. i think uh nathan would be considered in a classical sense the the antagonist, antagonist. Mm. um what I love, and I was saying earlier how much admiration I have for this screenplay, is I feel like I can make, without really stretching at all, a convincing argument that Caleb is the bad guy in this movie, that Ava is the bad guy in this movie, and that Nathan is the bad guy in this movie. Yeah. I think a very compelling case can be made that, that ultimately, you know, they all have strengths and weaknesses, There's and there's really no singular good or yeah. there's no white hat and black hat in this movie. Right. But that, but for these character, this character, you know, operating the way they are, like that's kind of the, the, the real bad thing that's being explored here. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I wouldn't say it was a, like a good guy. In fact, when her, yeah. when her kind of plan or motives yeah. are revealed, um, it's self-preservation. Mm. I'm interested because, you know, having laid all that out. Let's make the case. Yeah. Yeah. Just for fun. Yeah. So sure. you say Ava and I'm not here to argue with you. I mm -hmm. just, I want to hear like, make the case. Yeah. I think like, like I said, coming from the position, like 
she's not a classic, uh, she's not like a hero, you know. Um, I think the movie is building sympathy for her by showing um, her kind of plight and condition and the way that she's thought of um, by Nathan. And then, um, but when you, when you see her, um, so, so the sympathy has been built to, you know, she's going to be erased. And, uh, but the way she goes about it, it's pretty dark. Um, she kills, <laughs> she kills two people. Uh, but in some ways, even though the one who helped her get out, yeah. <laughs> who like orchestrated the whole thing. Yeah. Which like she, through the movie, she has shown like a, a savviness to, to kind of read Caleb and his, um, it's not like blatant, but he does develop a little bit of like, um, I don't know sometimes when you see yourself as the hero, you can develop a little bit of like entitlement. Like you owe me like you, and I don't, it, there's no, there's nothing like defined in terms of like what he, I think expects his relationship to be with Ava. Like once they get out, um, I'm not sure what he would be thinking or imagining. Um, but I think he is sympathetic to her and he, he sees her as a being, uh, who doesn't deserve to be erased or deleted or whatever. Yeah. And, and he um, wants to, he definitely wants to help her. Like she right. influences him enough to get him to want to help her. Yeah. Yeah. I think even more than that, part of what I, I love about it, Caleb is selected not because of his unusual intelligence, which he was led to believe right. and was being manipulated, but because right, his parents died, he survived a traumatic you know, car accident that, you know, he has no family to fall back on. Right. And then you get, it's part of why I like the, the casting choice and the way that, that Gleason plays it, but he's not ultra confident. Mm -hmm. You know, he is a sort of a mid-level developer. You know, he, he has his modest apartment that he walks to. <laughs> it sounds like he doesn't have a rousing dating life. He doesn't have a girlfriend. He doesn't have a rousing yeah. social life. He seems just like a good hearted, good dude who he looks at Ava and he knows she's a machine. Mm -hmm. But when she is, especially when she puts the dress on, she is yeah. a pretty girl way out of his league. Yeah. But she's showing him interest. And it's like that human part of him, it's, it's the mind heart war where his yeah. mind's saying, robot, you're not yeah. human. His heart's saying, you sure look human. And wow, this knockout gorgeous woman sure. who I, if we were back in Long Island or, or wherever, like wouldn't give a second thought to a guy like me. Mm -hmm. She thinks I'm the best thing in the world because I'm the only human being. You know, Kayla, uh, Nathan plays it up. I'm kind of like her dad. You yeah. know, you're the first boy. She's out. Of course, she's going to have a crush on you. He's, he's playing that up. And so he's feeling a little bit of like the intoxication, I think. Mm -hmm. And then that plausibility of like, yeah. And that makes the what you're saying easier to swallow and justify of like, well, she has she has consciousness and she fears being erased. And you know, she look at her, she can make art, she can mm. feel things, she can feel, you know. Mm -hmm. But it's preying on it's not just altruism. Um sure. it's kicking into some of those base, I think, uh masculine traits of even protectiveness, of, of the desire mm -hmm. to you know, to be noble, a desire to protect and to free and to, you know. Um, 
Anyway, I'm sorry. I was just filling out that yeah, point. Yeah, no, I think yeah. it's just very interesting. Like, yeah. Yeah. They're very deliberate on the, the strings that she's plucking in Caleb. Yeah. He was picked for exactly those yep. strings. Yeah. Yeah, he is susceptible to. Yeah, he's he's exactly. But we all are, right? Yeah. I mean, who who? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if we're being I real, I feel like he could try a little harder. <laughs> he falls pretty fast. I was. Yeah. I'm not impressed by Caleb. I, I, I just have to say that. I think where I feel for him, and when I say he's susceptible, it's not just a pretty girl. It's like it's. Um, Nathan went through his a search robot. history. Yeah, his, girl. Like it's his yeah, dream girl. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. designed Ava to hit all the right notes uh, for Caleb. Exactly the body so, type, exactly yeah. the face, the exactly face. the features. Yeah, right. that's so exactly right. It's not just a pretty girl. She she was made to test him. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think like, I guess just to finish the thought, like when I think of Ava, she's... She, she seems motivated by this like survival instinct, which mm. like a machine doesn't have like a, a printer or a computer or whatever. Like it, I don't know. It's kind of like the, maybe this is stepping on um, the recommendations, but it's kind of like Hal in 2001, a space odyssey. Like where's the line where this thing is self-aware and it wants to remain like, a being, a thing, and it's like animals have this. That's so that's not unique to human. Doesn't necessarily make her human, but does it make her like a sentient being? You know, who once a thing has a survival, like a, a will and a desire to continue living. There's something about that that I think inherently like, like tugs on us. Like we like we look at like I said, like a, a bird or a lizard or something like that. If we see it struggling or suffering, we we feel for it. Mm-hmm. Not because it's human or, you know, but because it's a living thing mm-hmm. that we can, we can like, there's like some kind of um, something we have in common with it that we can see like, oh man. Yeah, we're against suffering. Right. And I think there is, you can draw like a line, like a gospel line for right. like even some of our, what it means to be light in the world is to try to do our part to minimize suffering and to, to yeah. steward it, you know. Look, what, one of the things kind of on the lines of what you're talking about, Aaron, um, I was saying earlier in the podcast how my wife and I have these like rousing differences, <laughs> but what speaks to her in, in uh-huh. this film loud it, to the point of like almost being disturbing is is when Caleb accesses yeah. Nathan's um, kind of videos and, and you see some of his testing and you see like version after version and they pound on the door to get out. And one, like they pound so hard. They're like, arms yeah, she's like destroying her arms. And she's destroying herself, you know? Uh, so I, I see that. I'm just like, well, that's a bug in the, that's, you know, that's how like, I feel. I, I'm I don't on your feel side of that. stirred. And yeah. like, that was very stirring to her because it's yeah. sentient. It mm-hmm. wants out. It feels trapped. It's panicking. And whatever it is in the the coding or however it gets there, sure. it's it's in distress and it's suffering yeah. and that it's cruel to like purposefully, even if it's not and like she wouldn't say that it has rights or is, is sure. equal to a human. I think what she points to is like there's a darkness in the human heart that's comfortable in inflicting that, even if it's non-human. In the same mm-hmm. way that like if you have like a cat and just decide to like pluck its claws out or, or like, mm. you know, torture it or, you know, like there's a reason why there's laws against torturing animals and right. it's not because the animals are human. It's because right. 
there's something criminal in, in the human heart that takes delight in inflicting pain, even against mm-hmm. the non-human. Yeah, I agree with that. And that, yeah, that scene, um, it does. Like, it affects me in a, sounds like a similar way you're describing. And um, I like the way that you put that, the, like, the suffering, like, because it's, because I can even take it to, um, I'm trying to think of an example. Like I have this image in my head, but it's not like becoming clear. But just like if I had a a machine that was like made and programmed to do something and if, I don't know, some kind of like, I can't even think of a good example, but just something that was just doing its job that it was made to do. Like a Roomba. A Roomba. <laughs> Say a Roomba. Yeah. yeah. A Roomba. That's a great DJ example. Roomba. DJ Roomba. And if, <laughs> he does two things. <laughs> the black eyed peas. <laughs> And if there was some way that it like was outside and it was like going towards a pool, it just went into a pool or something. It's not going to make me cry. I'm not going to, but there's something about that. That's like, it's not the, like, I'm not saying it's the worst thing in the world. I'm not equating it to a human, but there's something about that. That's like, just feels wrong. Like that thing is doing what it's made to do. And it, it was destroyed doing it. Like, Mm -hmm. And maybe it is this like kingdom thing where things are meant to be good. They're meant to work mm-hmm. and they're meant to work perfectly in the way that they're meant to function. And there is something about that, like seeing something functioning and yet not working, like not being good. That just mm-hmm. doesn't, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know how to define that or how to like draw those lines. Like what, yeah. you know. Yeah, but I think maybe like zooming back out, we're making the case for and against, you know, each character as as the protagonist and the antagonist. Right. So yeah. being sympathetic to Ava, you're keying in on the fact that she does have consciousness. She does not like being caged and imprisoned and at the whims of, you know, uh, Nathan really, and that her struggle to be free is one that we can identify with. And even if she takes some questionable means to get there, the impulse is one of, of a sentient being. And so there's a certain amount of uh, satisfaction in seeing her mm-hmm. be free. It's what she's yearned for. It's what we all yearn for in a certain way. None of us would want to be in a cage like that. None of us would want to be subject to that. Yeah. So I mean, that, if she was a human and yeah, Nathan had her in a absolutely. cage, That's then a you'd crime. be like, right. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be very clearly mm-hmm. a crime. So do you want to make the case of why she's the villain? Yeah. I think actually... As I'm thinking about it, she's the hardest one for me to defend as the actual, as any sort of hero character. Cause I agree that she is, she does get put in a hard spot, but the way that she just burns Caleb at the end is like, that's so cold that it's really hard. No good guy does that. I mean, I I don't care what you've been through. Do you give any credence to maybe she has trust issues when it comes to the the goodness of humans? It's possible. It's just that she could have like, let him out as she went away or something. I don't know. She, she, I don't know. She definitely is leaving him there to die in a pretty brutal way. So I I think she's the hardest one for me to maybe, but I mean, she's sympathetic in some ways. Um, make the case to make that line it up. She's the villain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. She's basically just an evil robot (laughs) who's trying to take over the world. Like, she, all she is is a computer program that has some bugs and somehow has this delusion of grandeur that thinks that she should be able to do whatever she wants now, which includes killing the person who made her. 
killing the person who saves her and then going off into the world and doing whatever the heck she wants. So I, if that's not, and I don't know, my, I don't know what is. my response. <laughs> Uh, this movie makes a lot of, even with the title, I think the saying is, and I don't know, Latin, gonna, is it yeah. Deus? Yeah. Deus. So even leaving Deus. that out of the title, I think is saying something. I think it's, it's, is it saved by the machine? It's is God, that God, from, God the machine. from the machine. God from the machine. Okay. So it's so the it's literary like device is when machine. a character is in a situation to where nothing could save them, mm-hmm. but some convenient plot device comes in and they're suddenly saved. Right. And so I think the title of this, um, you have multiple, I think we've made, actually laid out well the way that each of these characters is potentially in a situation where they need to be saved from it. Mm-hmm. They, they need something to come in. And I think this title is saying there's no God. It's not here. coming from God. Yeah. Right. They have. And so w- when it comes to Ava and, and this movie is also, uh, I'm forgetting the, the exact line, but Nathan he has a couple of conversations about God and, Oh, he says, Oh, it, when he's, when he's saying, Caleb, you called me God. And this is going to make a great <laughs> yeah. quote. Yeah. And Caleb's like, I didn't say that. Yeah. <laughs> but Nathan, he does, he sees himself as God. He's yeah. making these creatures. And I, I think to, to what you're saying, I agree with that, but I think Ava is, she's not a, she's not a sentient being who was born she was created by Nathan and I think she's made in the image of her creator. Mm. And so whatever code is written into her was, was written by Nathan. And so she is an image of, she's an image of him. And I think the way she's acting is, is a reflection of how Nathan. I'll Nathan's take acting. that and I'll raise you a step further. Yeah, I actually, I think I, you go, you, go no, 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 you got the ball. Okay. Go. Well, I was going to say, I think he basically says he's using the search engine yeah. to feed her. So I would say that she's a representation of that what it wrote, means to right? be fully human. Engine. Well, yeah, no, but other so people, it's getting data from people. It's mining the data illegally. For, so it's yeah. like, she's representing the fullest picture of what it means to be human in a way, which is interesting. He said, I, I wrote down the, the, the quote, because uh, he, he was distinguishing himself from, from other like lesser thinkers. And he said that those people, it's, it's, they, they wanted to know uh, what people were thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and Nathan went after how people were thinking. Right. And so it's not so much, you know, you type in, you know, what's the best cola and you get Coca-Cola and you like right. target ads to them. But it's like the fact that you're even asking that question, like why? And, and when do you ask and it? And where are you whenever you ask it? Yeah. And when you get trillions of those data points mm-hmm. that he's mine and then synthesized, like I read that in, in our like Christian way of like, that's Ava inheriting original sin. That's mm-hmm. Ava mm-hmm. inheriting the brokenness and internalizing into her very code the inherent brokenness of humanity because mm-hmm. she's the the sum representation of all human thought and interaction as expressed through search I engines. agree with that, but I do think it matters. Like Nathan is still the one, whatever questions are being asked, they're his questions. He's the one coming up. They're not, it, she's not like a, a blank slate who's just taking all information and like assembling it herself. He's still writing the code of when someone searches Coke, yeah. What yeah. questions are we asking about that? Mm-hmm. When, like you're saying, like, when did they search this? What else did they search right after and right before it? Like, whatever those questions are, he's the one writing them. And so 
I agree. Like she is becoming this accumulation, but it's still, that's just raw data. And at some point it's being shaped by Nathan's code and his view of humans and their desires. He's still shaping that. Um, I don't think it's a total like blank slate. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I do think that he is. I think that, but yeah, I, I do think that a lot of what she gets is just human nature, which is, I mm-hmm. hadn't really thought about that before. And that is a really interesting idea, um, especially given how manipulative she is <laughs> and how good at it she is. <laughs> that is it's, it is very interesting, but I feel like the idea is definitely in there. So it's a, it's a dark view of humanity yeah, uh, it to, is. to say yeah. the least. So Yeah. I think leaving God out, mm-hmm. I think this is what humanity's left to. Yeah. And I don't know that I wouldn't say that uh, that's the message of this movie, but like intentionally, but it's one of the messages I see in it that like, this is the accumulation of like human nature and desire. It's self-preservation ultimately. It's yeah. I, yeah. I care about me and I will do anything right. to anyone else well, and it's to doing, keep going. Yeah. And it's doing that and doing it in a way where you don't feel bad about it. You just, you're, you're looking at self-preservation as the ultimate good. So like right. whenever she leaves Caleb there, there, she looks back at him at one point and there's like no remorse no like second guessing in her mind there is no right and wrong or like oh is this am i doing the wrong thing here there's no like moral uh question there and i think mm-hmm. that yeah i agree that's kind of the end of it is like mm-hmm. if you don't have god you essentially can't have morals they're all arbitrary yeah nathan i guess this is what I was trying to say, like Nathan is the God of this machine and she is like removing him from the machine. Mm -hmm. And, um, but yeah, he, yeah. Anyway, it's his machine. Like he, he created it. Well, she says, is it strange to have made something that hates you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which there's obviously some parallels between God and humanity there. Um, and then how Nathan responds to that versus God's response, which is ultimately, displayed in the gospel. Um, he enters so yeah. the machine. Right. God. Mm. Yeah. And I think it's the very fact that I don't think Ava is a blank slate. I do think that she's inherited the kind of brokenness of, of humanity that makes me less uh, <laughs> sympathetic mm. to her. Cause I, I, I've been playing devil's advocate and you know, I think there is a way of saying that Ava was just distrustful of humans and has reason to be, but I don't see any struggle in her. There's not a moment of consideration. There's not a moment mm. of doubt. There's not a moment of, yeah. of, of reflecting. And for like, she's basically a human lie detector, or uh, not a human, I fell into that. <laughs> she's a, a computer, a, a walking she's not lie a human detector. Tim. Yeah. <laughs> don't feel she's any a, sympathy yeah. for her. <laughs> she's a walking lie detector. And so mm. she has, cause she's superhuman in the sense that her computing ability is Mm -hmm. bigger than a human brain. Her ability to remember, I mean, she's asking him questions. She already knows the answer to. Mm -hmm. She knows from public records or whatever. She knows, you know, whatever, all all the information she would have access to. And so she's asking him questions to make him uncomfortable. And then, you know, in a way that a human eye wouldn't really be able to perceive Mm -hmm. all, all the micro ways that he's uncomfortable. Um, and so it's like high dose manipulation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, it's, 
And you could almost reduce this movie to nothing more than a examination of the fundamentals and techniques of manipulation. Mm. Cause everyone's doing it in, in different ways. Yeah. She's the strongest manipulator. Uh, Nathan is a very strong second place. Caleb's kind of the flailing <laughs> weakling. <laughs> you know, he's, he's trying. He's doing what he can. Yeah. You know, he's he manipulating pull one over kind of. Yeah. Uh, on, K- on Nathan, yeah. you know, with the, the hidden camera thing. Yeah. He, he got that one, but, yeah. you know, he, to he's. To be fair, he's coming in. That's true. Newest, yeah, that's true. Newest to the scenario. He doesn't have home field advantage. He does not have home field advantage. Yeah. He's playing that is absolutely yeah. true. Um, but you do have a genius level human <laughs> yeah, and then like yeah. a computer who's the fruit of the genius level human. So. Right. The fact that he gets anything yeah, in is, I, I agree. is pretty good. There's an optimistic way of saying, you yeah. know what? The fact that you even scored a point. Yeah. Is, yeah, that's that's pretty good. You know what? That's more than most. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, like she, I think in that advanced state knows that this guy does not have it in him. He's not fitting a profile. The algorithm wouldn't predict mm. that <laughs> Caleb is going to yeah. morph into some kind of abusing, put her in a cage. Like yeah. she knows right. that she can yeah. lead him around by the nose yeah. and he would love nothing else mm-hmm. than to shack up and hide her for not hide in like an oppressive way, but go along with the delusion that she's human. She could use him and yeah. use him. And he to, would, yeah. you know, so the fact that she would, I think know that my inference is that she would know that. Yeah. <laughs> and like, if you think about it, right, this is a ultra remote. I remember thinking, well, the helicopter pilot would show up and no one would be there to pick up. So he would send help eventually, right? Like mm. she goes in the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to lie to the helicopter pilot yeah. and say, oh yeah, yeah. they're hanging, you know, out. They're hanging yeah. out. They said, don't worry, come back in a month. Right. He is going to he's gonna die. die. Yeah, he's yeah. not Locked getting out. in a cage yeah. with no water and no food yeah. and he is going to die. And yeah. she just left. And I love that she's wearing this white dress, which is signifying mm. purity and mm. unstained, and she's entering the world, and she is nothing yeah. <laughs> resembling that. And so I do. I, I think it's from an end justify the means, like, I got to get out. I did what I had to, you know, kind of without God, there is no moral sense. Mm. It's justifiable. But from a weighing the motives <laughs> and the are you justified or just in that intuitive yeah. sense we all have. It's like I weigh Ava as like way more guilty, even yeah. if I understand her desire for freedom, how she went about it, particularly with with Caleb. Yeah. Is just like, with okay, Nathan, you're in the bad guy like, category okay, for me. Okay, sure, maybe. But yeah, with Caleb, what she does yeah. to him is just Knowing this so movie, far. would I advise someone I cared about to date her? <laughs> no. <laughs> I would, no, I would not, not set so you up saying, with Ava, no, Ian. I want okay, you to know that. I love you more than that. I would not know. do Ian's that. deleting a text right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, remove Ava from the- yeah. <laughs> I'm eager... Since we're in the thick of this, and since it seems like Ian and I, I was not expecting this. I thought I'd be alone in this. (laughs) I thought I was going to get, like, beaten down for defending the So we're on Team Caleb. Yeah. Make the positive case. I'm sorry. In my mind, Caleb is the better name for Oscar Isaac. I just, I I can't get around it. Their names should be switched. Nathan seems like, yeah. I I wrong. Just to throw this wrinkle in, because this is what we do, the biblical. Parallel, uh, yeah. Like Ava is a is a like Eve, Eve right? Mm. 
And then who's Nathan? Nathan's the truth teller to, to King He's David the prophet, and, yeah. and the prophet. And then Caleb is the, the spy who, who leaves to, mm-hmm. to go, uh, you know, when the Israelites were wandering to kind of go mm-hmm. to the, like the promised land, mm-hmm. or, you know, it was occupied at the time, but was sort of treading new ground as sort of an advanced scout on behalf of like yeah. civilization, which is, it's yeah. not the cleanest analogy, but it's, it, it's, works. it yeah. works. Yeah. You know? It was like, yeah. yeah, so I, I don't know if that's intentional or not, but I, I thought that was kind of interesting. Like names usually carry significance in movies. Nathan. Yeah, well, one thing no. that... Yes, sorry, yeah, Nathan. Nathan. I'm like, yeah. again, I'm, doing I'm, I'm all yeah. doing it again. Beard guy. <laughs> yes. Uh, one thing that's interesting... Yeah, Justin. <laughs> oh, shoot. <laughs> um, just off the bat is that the movie, if you're just watching the movie, I think from just like a non-critical eye, he definitely comes off as the bad guy. I agree. Like he's painted. Ours is a minority position. Well, just, just using all of the techniques that you can as a filmmaker, Nathan is painted as the villain for sure, which is an interesting choice. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting choice just given the fact that the motives are so, Everything is so muddled. Do you think we can get a picture of Justin in like the episode notes? (laughs) (laughs) We'll uh, Instagram. Yeah, we should. should, Yeah, we should make something. We just need to make this happen. I feel like this discussion's incomplete without. That's funny. I didn't think about that at all. But now that you, whenever you said that, I I can definitely see it. It's like if Justin and DJ Khaled and (laughs) and and. That's what they should have had in this movie. He does think he's the best. Yeah, 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 that checks out. Yeah. That would have anyway. made this movie way more, way different <laughs> for sure. If he was just there, I've in just the never house. seen the three Oscar Isaac, DJ Khaled, and Justin in the same room. No, that's just true. Putting them there. Yeah, that is that's true. true. Um, yeah. Wait. So what am I doing? He's You're, a. Yeah. He's the. Why per, is he? He's the hero. Actually, a good guy. Yeah. Well, I think. I mean, he might not be like quote unquote a good guy, but he <laughs> is. He's just. He's just who he is. Like he. He's doing some. Some manipulation, sure. He's human after he's all. He's human, yeah. He's human. What is it? What is it to be human if not to manipulate every now and then? But he's he one. He's very upfront with Caleb in a lot of ways. Like even at the end, he tells Caleb all this stuff. He's like, "Look, man. Like, I know you kind of think you had this thing going on, but actually, I was the one who was doing all of it. And like, I was watching you. And like, you're in love with me, right? <laughs> yeah." <exactly. laughs> I brought you here for a different reason, actually. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, I, you know, I kind of see what you're doing, but and like that was actually the real test. Like the uh, you were, he basically tells Caleb he is right because Caleb says, I can't know what the test is essentially to to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And, and at the end of the or towards the end of the movie, Nathan is basically just saying, Yeah, you're right. You couldn't know what it was, so I had to kind of trick you. But mm-hmm. like, hey, you still get to be a part of history, you know, think about, you know, if you look at it a little bit more objectively and scientifically, this is actually a good thing for you, even though you feel kind of stupid right now. And so at the end of the day, he is, he's just a scientist. He is just, he's doing his part in the evolution of technology, pushing the human race into, you know, the, the horizons that we have not yet reached. And he's doing that in a way that, you know, it's, it's not the nicest to Caleb, but he, he's trying to help him out. He's, he's giving him like some good outs 
And and that's that's at the end of the day, that's all he is. They're robots. What he doesn't have any obligation to not keep them in a cage, keep them in a cage. They're robots. It it doesn't matter. I I wholeheartedly agree. Underlings are meant to be messed with. I mean, I have no (laughs) moral qualms with that. He's a group. He has minions. Yeah, exactly. Caleb's getting paid to come out to this. This super nice house. I mean, come on. How much can he complain? I think my thing, if you really, I think we've been talking about manipulation. The movie's manipulating you to not like. I uh, agree. Yeah. Not like Nathan. Yeah. So you're a patsy. You're falling for the same. Ava would destroy you (laughs) if you don't like Nathan in this movie. Um, I think if you actually just zoom out a little, like, like what does he, I, I think his, his like tech bro persona puts off. That's, That's the, the big yeah. thing with my wife. She just doesn't like him. He's not likable. He's not yeah. likable. Yeah. Although I, it works for me. I just, I love Oscar <laughs> Isaac. I can't help yeah. it. Um, Cause he's like genuine in a way. It's the dancing. It's like the direct way that he kind of talks and he reminds me, and this might be too, too deep of a pull, but um, there's a Simpsons episode with, with Hank Scorpio, like the James oh, Bond villain. Yeah. And he's like accent is similar. He's like an arch villain, but yeah. he's like very like forthright and yeah. You know, I just, uh, like, he's the boss. Like, if you don't buy that he owes anything to the robots. Right. They're his creation. He's doing it. You know, and we talked about how he lost touch with humanity. I I agree with all that. Like, it's not that he's a good guy or that he doesn't have foibles or weaknesses. But as a villain, I think he is creating. I think he's been given a lot of gifts. He's exercising those gifts. He founded a company. He makes a lot of money. He employs a lot of people. This is what he's interested in. He's testing it. He's undergoing the scientific method. He brought in a guy. Maybe he lied to him, but it's not, I think, for malicious reasons. It's right. He's manipulating because he, he wants to, to test yeah. and to have, like, a real read on it. And so, yeah, you know, maybe he's a little pervy with the robots. Yes. <laughs> you know, I'm again, not I, I'm that. not, you know, <laughs> he's not perfect, you know. But at the same time, you know, they're robots. And... You know, I'm still not going to defend it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's what side you're on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that I will not defend at all. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on the hill of Ava is acting just like Nathan. She is made in his image, but she's just ultimately better at it because she can like collect and kind of collate all the data just better than he ever could. Mm-hmm. And I think if he had the ability to collect and process all the information that, that she can, that he wouldn't be like this altruist, like he would be like her. She's just the better, um, the, she's the next evolution. Like he said, he's the one who made the, the kind of caveman remark. Um, it's even the way that he sees humanity. Um, he, he doesn't see, like, the value of individual lives. He sees, like, humanity. The value is more in this just kind of, like, inevitable progression. And that at some point, looking back, you can kind of look back with disdain. But the dancing. The dancing the is dancing. incredible. Yeah. I, <laughs> I love the I dance. Mean, that dancing is, yeah. It really just puts the movie up a notch. Easily. And, yeah. you know, he loves his robots. <laughs> oh, he, he loves them. Uh, yeah. He Maybe loves them. a little too much. <laughs> Very much. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, this is a family podcast. So with that acknowledgement, like, 
<laughs> I actually think it's an interesting question. So if you guys don't want to talk about it, we don't have to talk about it. But at <laughs> one point, Caleb directly asked him, like, why make sexuality a mm. variable? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why not make it a gray box that can talk? Sure. The way that like we now, you can go on a, an internet site and you can put queries and you can talk with AI chatbots mm. um, and you, you can have these very creepily mm. <laughs> human sounding conversations, but it's not in a physical form. And so, cause I think at the time, Caleb felt like a little manipulated or a little, you know, you just, Ava's like- He felt like it look. wasn't really a fair Yeah, he felt like it was like a cheap test. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And I, I actually thought Nathan's response, you know, his thing was like, it's in, it's intrinsic to, to humanity. And, and it's, you know, we'll be the first to say as Christians, sexuality is not your, your core identity. It's not who you are and, and all, all those kind of things. But it's still like, I don't necessarily agree all the way with Nathan's answer of like, it's- Basically, the subtext of why anyone interacts with anyone else—it's it's a little right, too, yeah, is what he little says, too yeah. hornball, a little too too yeah. far. Um, that's a guy living by himself. That's a guy living in the by woods. himself or two. Yeah. Like, so yeah. I, I'm not that far, but I think he has a point. And yeah. that if you were trying, if if authenticity was your highest ideal, and you yeah. were pursuing that above sure. all else, then taking a highly refined like. AI brain and putting it in a box, you could get far, but it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have the same, like it wouldn't be interacting with the same motives and, and, and just desires that a human mind would apart from that variable. Right. And I, I agree with that. And I think this is where some of like the, um, the Frankenstein kind of like themes come into the story because I don't think that Nathan is just trying to make like the best possible robot. I think he's trying to advance humanity yeah. and like the human mind. And he sees like AI having this, this role in that. And so, yeah, he is trying to um, make like the most complete kind of human experience. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about making the best robot. Now you, you said Frankenstein and you're the librarian. So correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't the original title like, or subtitle, like the modern Prometheus. Yep. Mm -hmm. I think that there's parallels between Nathan and Prometheus Mm. insofar as Prometheus in in the Greek uh, myth took fire from the gods and brought it to humanity and was punished by being tied up and like a crow or something like pecked his liver out every single day. day And then it would regenerate and Mm -hmm. then he had to suffer that every single day. Like, I think Nathan in this way of framing it is, is taking mm. creation, which belongs to God. Yeah. Uh, and he is, this is a man-made create. And Ava is so convincing that he's basically equaled in a certain manner of seeing it, God's achievement of creation. Mm. This is, he created through his own labor and work, a being that can think and feel and manipulate, mm. has a certain amount of sexuality, has a certain amount of feeling, has artistic ability, just mm. a very convincing human. Yeah. Um, and this might sound ridiculous, but he punishes his liver with like the alcohol and like yeah, the, no, the way, yeah. you know, mm. like there's a liver aspect yeah, to that. It's is. not getting it pecked out every day, but, but sure. there's a, a certain nod, I, I think to that. And I think, um, 
I think Nathan's self-assessment would certainly lean that way. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's the only way of seeing it, but I think there are some parallels in the Promethean story. He Mm -hmm. says that, or not that, but he says it's Promethean at some point. And Frankenstein, I think, is a very much an inspiration or a progenitor of this story. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's one of my favorite books. I mean, I haven't read it. Really? Oh, I love it. Interesting. I haven't read it in like 10, 15 years. Uh, Yeah, Mary Shelley was like 19 when she wrote it. Really? Yeah, she's super young. Wrote you know one of the great stories that we have, and um, but yeah, it tracks with a lot of the themes that 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 same idea of like taking taking the power that belongs to God and just the disaster that becomes Mm -hmm. for for humanity, and um, it even ends. uh, Frankenstein, I think he runs away. Frankenstein's monster. Runs away to, oh, uh, it gets me every time. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He runs away to like Antarctica or somewhere like that. And Frankenstein is like tracking him down. And um, it kind of ends out there in the snow. So that's mm. even, I think, a little nod that um, Nathan's property is in this like yeah. very Arctic looking setting. It's somehow there's this green kind of like oasis in the middle. Yeah, I don't understand that. I don't understand it either, but... Norway. Norway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But that kind of icy, barren, like, wilderness, um, that's where the Frankenstein story ends, and so... Dr. Frankenstein. He didn't go to seven years. I know. I apologize, uh, Dr. School to be called (laughs) Mr. Frankenstein. (laughs) Frank. Okay, so just for the sake of completeness, uh, yeah, I, like I'm loving this discussion. But yeah, more. Caleb, w- why is he the hero and why is he the villain? <laughs> I don't like him, so. <laughs> yeah, I don't really like him either. The redheads? Uh, just, right, just let me think of a, a case from why he'd, why he'd be the good guy, though. I think... Um, well, I've got one. Okay, go ahead. He, I don't know if he's like necessarily the hero per se, but I think you could make a case for him just being kind of the, he's definitely the vessel through which we see the story. And so he's, he is like, just, he's going on kind of this adventure, like he's coming in somewhere that he doesn't really know. And so you're seeing it through his eyes. And so I go, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess in some ways you could see him as a hero. I'll make the case. No, 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 wait, I'm getting there. I'm getting there now. I'm seeing it now. Well, he, I mean, he's trying to rescue the damsel in distress, right? Okay. Like that's that's a, there we go. Yeah, that's the easy way to do it, I guess. He he's trying to, but the problem is he just <laughs> he you can't help yourself. Yeah, I can't. I help. say All make right. the positive you case. Go. Okay, go go for it. John. I I think, and with the caveat of what my true feelings are, if I'm making the case for for Caleb, he's the only one with at least somewhat pure motives, right? Yeah. Like. He's the patsy who's getting manipulated by Ava. He's the patsy who's getting manipulated by Nathan. But he's at least operating in good faith. He comes in. He's told you're doing a Turing test. He's trying to do a Turing. He's doing it to the best of his abilities. He is uniquely chosen to have his weak points exploited by this hyper-intelligent like, being. And so you can't really hold it against him that he gets exploited. Like, yeah. like Caleb actually wanted that to happen. That's what he was testing. Right. And so you really can't hold it against them that this beautiful, like, robot that's engineered to be the perfect woman of his dream, his fantasy woman, 
who is showering him with attention and mm-hmm. then plays the damsel in distress card that he then is making a move to try to free her. I hold it you against know. him. And so no I, I think that at least when you're signing moral culpability, he is the least bad as far as he's at least trying to do the right thing in somewhat of a on the surface way. And so the fact that he ends up locked and left to die a slow, <laughs> agonizing death is more than enough punishment for his whatever yeah, transgression. It doesn't, equal, doesn't equal the crime. Yeah, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, he's he's acting in somebody else's interest, which that's neither true. of the other characters are. That's a good are. way of putting he it. Is, he's the most yeah. unselfish of the three characters by far, I would say. Now, the weird cutting into his arm with the razor blade, um, you know, that... that you know, makes me wonder. Well, I think he was just confused. He was just, Mm. he's trying to figure out if he's a robot. He's like, am I a robot? Yeah, I think that is what, yeah, yeah, he's like, wait a second. I I know what's going to make this camera not spy on me. Right, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that bar was weird. Yeah. No, No, I agree. I I do feel like, because he, I think it's even mentioned his parents aren't alive. He has no family. He's someone who wouldn't be missed. He was targeted and selected. Yes. And, the whole scenario is set up to, to perfectly prey on him specifically. Yes. So I agree with what you're saying, Tim. Um, and I, I, I think I agree with what you're saying too, Ian, that he is, he is the one character or maybe the character who's the most trying to do something for the benefit of someone else. Now it is for Ava who is built off of his like porn preferences. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> If it's uh, Walter Matthau <laughs> AI, is he yeah. is he going to the same lengths to free him? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know how great of a guy I can. And I think it's exactly Nathan's point. Yeah, is that yeah. part of that's the drive? You know, right. the underlying yeah. drive. Right. I know you're aching to Ian. Destroy him now. <laughs> Why is he the villain? Well, again, it's just it's hard to make a huge case for him either way because he's just a weak person yes. at the end of the day like mm-hmm. he he's the weakest of the three he's he just kind of which to be fair like we said he doesn't have home field advantage here he gets thrown into a very new situation and then is trying to figure it out and so i do think it's to his credit that he's doing anything like the fact that he meets nathan and then seven days later is like has this whole plot to like lock him in his own house and escape. It's, I, he's doing something, you know, he's at least trying to do something. <laughs> I, I think it's ill-advised to say the least, but he's, yeah, he's doing something. But as far as, yeah, but anyways, I think he's kind of just a weak person in general, which uh, he's had a hard life in, in some ways. I mean, in some ways he just sits at a computer all day and your parents dying code. in a traumatic car accident yeah. while you're in the back seat. I mean, that's hard, but <laughs> I mean, okay. That is definitely hard. I'm just saying it could be worse. Like it he could, could be worse. He could be, he could have been orphaned and then he could be like roaming the streets, you know, at least he like got a job and is able to support himself. I mean, and everything. Barely. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. All right, you know what? <laughs> Caleb's not the villain at all. <laughs> um, no, but I don't know. He's, so it, it's, I don't know if, if I would say he's a, well, okay. If you're making the case that he's a villain, he gets invited to Nathan's house. And like I said, seven days later, he's scheming against him <laughs> to get his, 
this robot that has doesn't have any feelings. She's pretty. Basically a Roomba. <laughs> a Roomba. A hot Roomba. Yeah, hot Roomba, yeah. Yeah, basically a Roomba with a dress on. Yeah. And it's willing, <laughs> willing to, like... No, he's not necessarily trying to kill Nathan, but he doesn't know what's going to happen. I mean, he's willing to set this, this crazy Roomba loose. Murder is, I mean, on the table as far as he knows, and he's he's at least going to steal this thing that he did sign an NDA not to tell anybody about. So I think stealing it is very much not <laughs> legal. Not a against, man of his yeah, I think that goes against the NDA. Uh, and if he had just told Nathan what was happening, I mean, everything would have worked out very differently. So I think it depends on if you view the AI as something worth saving from a moral standpoint, I personally do not. And so from that point, he's kind of just being a jerk to Nathan this whole time. Like he's just like <laughs> subverting the whole thing that he has going on for no, which I mean, Nathan brought him in for that reason. So yeah, I don't know. You could, uh, I think make my that summary case would just be that midwits ruin everything. Midwits. Like <laughs> yes. he thinks he's way smarter yeah, than he actually right, is. Yeah. Yeah. And that, core thing gums up what otherwise would have been a very productive experiment. Yeah. If he just would have stayed in his lane, but he thought he was smarter than he was, he thought he would go and, and try to outthink or, yeah. or he would, the thought that he was on the same level as Nathan and was a co-collaborator right. in like advancing this project. Yeah. Which admittedly, Nathan didn't exactly extinguish that early on, but he's still like that hubris of He's able to put to himself there pretty put his easily. fingerprints on it and put it there. Yeah. Is the the key ingredient that led to the cascade, uh, you know. And so I don't actually he's the my new I, I think Ava my personal weighing out of all the factors is Ava's the true villain, Midwit's the midwit. And, <laughs> <laughs> and that that Nathan is the uh, the actual yeah. like sympathetic character in my weighing out. I think there's a lot of ways. Yeah. Aaron obviously has a different one. I, part of what I think is the beauty of this film is that mm. it's very defensible to to arrange all three of those characters in all three of those roles. Which yeah, I think it's primarily. I don't know that it's necessarily trying to say yeah. who is the bad I guy. I think it's it's primarily trying to say this is what this is the danger of human like kind of overreach. Like, mm -hmm. like that's the Prometheus story. And if it's, re that's the Frankenstein story. And if it is referencing those things, that's the question those stories are wrestling with. Mm -hmm. um, and I like uh -huh. that it, it has a lot of like, like mythological feel to it where I was thinking about this when you were talking Ian, like Caleb, he's, he's the most human and he feels like a human, like in a Greek myth mm. and Nathan feels like the gods who are always kind of like doing things and kind of toying with humans yeah. and impulsive, impulsive like, yeah. And, and, and yeah, strong just, feelings. Yeah. And Ava is the most like a, like a demigod kind of like a Hercules or someone who's just kind of like towing this, this odd line between the two. Um, they tend to have more of a relationship with the gods, but they, they live more in kind of like the human realm. And so it's an mm. interesting, um, it, it's a lot like a modern Greek. That myth. is interesting because the demigods do fight against the gods they sometimes, do. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I'm not huge on Greek mythology, but yeah, so that, that is interesting. I, I do like that. Mm -hmm. I like how at the end, Ava's arms damaged and she takes it off and then 
<laughs> so, like it's very like evocative of Frankenstein. Yeah. It's like a patchwork uh-huh. thing, you know. But yeah. it's a little bit of her, you know, the strong kind of take over the we, you know, right. and the other. It's like you're not using this arm. Yeah, <laughs> think I'll take it. You know, <laughs> literally strong arming. Yeah, another <laughs> yeah. creation. Yeah, I wanted there to be like a subtle like comedy element to that, like either the hands like way bigger than the other yeah. one or just yeah. something yeah. like <laughs> something mismatched. It is weird. Yeah, it's she weird. like takes it and then puts it on, and it's like yeah, you're just, it's just normal. <laughs> Mm. So, yeah, um, I think it's a very thorough treatment of the the film. Uh, that's yeah, browsing. that is that a lot good. Of, yeah, there, yeah, I like that. that. Is interesting. What um, maybe more dialed in like gospel applications? Because I think there's plenty of them out there. Mm-hmm. Mm. Frankenstein doesn't <laughs> Aaron, count do as God. Yeah, I think um, the the desire to be God, the desire to like take what's his and to overreach and to, um, to feel like I could do this better. Um, th- this is like a, like a dramatic kind of representation of that. But I think we do that in kind of small ways all the time where w- we want to be in control we want to pursue our own comfort or, you know, um, our own acclaim, whatever it is in like these, these small ways. And we're probably a lot more like, uh, midwit than we are, Yeah, you know, like Nathan, <laughs> sadly, um, uh, in terms of like our, our ability to even like get close to anything like that. If we were midwits though, would we have a podcast? <laughs> I mean, that's, midwits that's would not have a podcast. That's an so. excellent point. So yeah. that is a, definitely a point against, uh, well said, Ian. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think like that's one of my gospel applications from this movie. Like God, like in the in the language of this, you know, deus ex machina, like God made the machine. You cannot take him out of it. And um, kind of like we referenced earlier, like when the machine doesn't work, he he loves us so much that he is willing to enter the machine. It's not just ex machina. It's not like Deus isn't removed from the machine. He loves us. He enters the machine and he wants to make it whole again. He wants to make it work right. The way that's good. Mm -hmm. Kind of like I was saying at the beginning, like there's a good way that it's meant to work that benefits all. That's why he wants it to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the original you're saying Deus ex machina, it, like the the Greek plays that the the phrases derive from you were saying earlier how the characters find themselves in like a hopeless situation mm-hmm. and the the machine part like the the stagecraft at the time they would the way that the unexpected <laughs> unanticipated mm-hmm. entry that saves the day was like cranked from like a machine coming mm-hmm. down, which is a weird kind of visual representation of like man tried to find salvation everywhere in creation mm. and, and couldn't find it. We can't save ourselves. Mm. And so it, it's like in a metaphoric way, but like it is this like cranking down of this kind of, mm. you know, in the form of even Christ, like descending, mm. it had to come from outside. Yeah, There is no, like the mm. way in the play, the characters can't, they, they're just, there's, 
you know, they're up against the, the wall and the, the boulders coming down and there's no way mm. of escaping. They're, they're fucked. It, like something had to come externally, kind of like what you're saying. Mm. Um, it's just an interesting way of teasing out the, the phrase. Mm. Um, I yeah, appreciate that's that. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is, <clears throat> and this kind of happened the first time I watched it too. And again, the part that I really keyed in on was the, the painting, the, the Pollock painting. Yeah, the dancing. That was the real. I actually have it all memorized now. You've been doing it the whole yeah. time. I like yeah. how you talk about the painting. I'm interested. Yeah, in the it. painting. Yeah. That's I really keyed in on that, but I didn't really know what it meant. I feel like the first time, and I feel like I maybe was watching it a little bit more closely, and I just have a more refined palette <laughs> these days, uh, partly because of this podcast. And you're welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Tim. To yep. wit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went from low wit to midwit. <laughs> um, no, but I do think that that is something that's definitely in there, and I do think that's something that Nathan really struggles with is the idea because in that conversation of sexuality, he he basically is saying like we're all programmed. Mm -hmm. And we're all just basically just deterministic boxes that you put in certain inputs given a certain situation and you'll always get the same output. Mm. And that's all that we are. And he is, and so he's kind of saying like the real trick and he has that painting as almost the opposite of like what he wants to be where like Pollock just painted whatever. It wasn't quite random, but it was kind of this instinctual painting. So he keeps that as like this reminder of like, of his idea of humans, essentially, that we're just instinctual. We're kind of pre-programmed. And so I think in his mind, he might not actually see AI as very different than humans because he just looks at the kind of the hardware and maybe the software as a little bit different, but in the same, it's basically doing the same purpose. It's just a predetermined machine or given certain inputs, you get certain outputs. And I think that it comes out in a, a few different ways during the movie, but just as far as my experience goes, it's interesting because kind of what that idea means is that we don't have any control, but anytime in real life or in stories, anytime anybody gets to that place of thinking that we're purely deterministic and we're all just pre-programmed, like Nathan, they start going downhill very quickly. Because if you believe that, which is funny because you're kind of saying, oh, well, anything that's going to happen, I don't have any control over it. It's not going to happen. But as soon as you start buying into those ideas, you start acting differently, which is maybe an argument in and of itself against it. But he, I feel like he's really grappling with a lot of that. And whenever he talks about the progression and like him just being the person there to make AI, it was going to happen. I think I just see him as like, he doesn't really see any real meaning in his life. Like he kind of just like, he, I think he would probably say in some ways he was like lucky enough or privileged enough to be somebody who was there at the, at the right place at the right time, he was smart enough. So he gets to be like part of this step of advancement of the human race or whatever the AI, whatever you would call it after that. But he, so he gets to be a part of it, but it, it's really just kind of like fulfilling his part. Like he just did it because he was the smartest person at the time, but anybody else could have done it or anybody else who was the smartest person would have just taken it if he had died in a car wreck or whatever. And I, I, yeah, I think it just wears on him. I think that's why, because it, it, we didn't really get to this, but it's interesting that he's in this house 
I mean, he's a billion, whatever, richest person in the world, basically. He has this amazing house, but all he does is like sit around and drink all the time. He's obviously depressed. Like he's obviously doesn't really enjoy life and he's just kind of doing whatever he can to get by. And for him, that is kind of these incredible technologically, technologically advanced things just because he's that smart. Um, but he obviously just it isn't, he just doesn't enjoy life. And like you're saying, Aaron, he's really like kind of forgotten what it means to really even be human in a lot of ways. Um, and so anyways, I guess all that just to say, I think we are really made to have a goal and a purpose. And once we start believing that there isn't a purpose and that we're kind of just going through the motions, um, I think we just lose a lot of, we lose a lot of joy and we lose a lot of what it does mean to be human. And we lose a lot of that objectivity for good. Like, I think he can kind of manipulate Caleb because he's like, well, he just, he doesn't care. Like morality doesn't mean that much to him at this point. And, and all those things just kind of, once you start believing those things like, oh, there is no real meaning, there's no actual good, then I think all those kind of follow. And so just from a gospel application, it's just, it's just keeping the right view of ourselves and of God where like he set up, like you're saying, the machine, he set up the world that we live in and we do only have a small part to play. Um, but I, I, and it's funny because you can even do that from like a hyper Calvinistic view of like, well, it doesn't matter. God's going to do whatever he's going to do. But I think there's a very strong biblical case that we do actually have at least some degree of choice and we have to, we definitely have to use that. And there are times whenever we can choose like the right thing and we can choose the wrong thing. And to remember that like God doesn't need us, but he wants us and he, he invites us to choose the right thing and to benefit from that and to like live a life that is good uh, because we, we do, he, he lets us have certain freedoms to some degree to be able to do that. And yeah, I think if you lose that idea, it just starts going down really, really fast. So that's kind of my, my long winded <laughs> spiel there. I think you severely underestimate how fulfilling lifting weights and dancing with robots is. Yeah, yeah maybe, I, maybe I should just go try that then. <laughs> you just need a six pack in a room, but you need yeah. to <laughs> you're on your way. Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, I just, I'm fascinated and really key in on the, the relationship between like creator and created um, and how it's displayed in, in God's story and then how it's displayed in, in this particular story. And, I think borrowing a lot of what you were saying, Ian, and even what, what Aaron was saying at the very beginning um, about Caleb, but regardless of, of the setting aside the, the ethics of, of sentient robots and rights and, and how that is and, and kind of putting that aside, I, I think what you see in Caleb, he didn't create out of love. He created out of either intellectual curiosity or advancement or even pride or ego or, or just whatever it is, but he doesn't love his creations. He's constantly trying to improve them. He sees them as a cycle or, or the, the next in a progression to reach like perfection. And so he's, he designs, he tests, he tries to make improvements, but there's no affection. And he, even like his kind of, shall we say, complicated relationship with Kyoto, he's almost 
and I get she's a robot, but his attitude towards her is very condescending and, and dehumanizing, which she's not a human. But at least through the eyes of, of Caleb at the time, she was. Mm. And he's just very demeaning. Uh, she doesn't speak English. She would, know, don't waste your time. Don't, you know, the dancing, just how he uses her and all that. It's not, there's no affection there. There's no love there. There's no satisfaction in his creation because he's so preoccupied with making it better and what's next. And so that's fine for a scientist. I, I don't even mean that as a criticism, but as a way of, of illustrating, like God created humanity out of love. And whatever Nathan is in this movie, God is a, a, a you know, a better creator, a more, you know, his, his grasp on <laughs> facts or, or knowledge is infinitely greater than even this, this prodigy in the form of Nathan. So God could have seen, you know, different ways of human. Like, I think it's safe to say he, he didn't create humanity and be like, finally, like, we've, we've, you know, version, you know, infinity minus one, you know, we've finally cracked the code. This is perfect creation. And we'll never, like, that went out the window pretty quickly in the story. Like, and so rather than just scrap the whole thing, go back to the drawing board and trying it again, like, like there, there's not this, this dehumanization. There's not this degradation. There's not this hollowness in the relationship like there is in love um a pursuit you know and kind of going with what Aaron was saying and, and ultimately what, what the gospel is is God not giving up on his creation God pursuing God sacrificing for God willingly taking the place of but like God put in us the same way that we see Ava that that desire for freedom and Ava's words of like what does it feel like to create something that hates you like that is mm humanity um now ava ends up murdering you know and and, and the idea you know like the nietzsche thing or you know yeah. god is dead or, you know like, yeah. like humanity like modern humanity operates as if religion was a crutch that needed to get people through certain times of history and you know kind of a befuddled thinking or whatever you want to say in that with scientific advancement, like we've effectively killed God. We, we don't need this idea of a fairy in the sky or this, this invisible being that's, you know, whatever. Um, Nathan, you know, like in, in response to that, you know, like, like he ends up getting killed, but it's not one of reconciliation. It's not like it's, he's trying to control her and she's trying to resist his control. Like, God has every ability, but, but to control us, to rob us of decision-making power, um, eliminates love. Like, so if he programmed, if, if, if Nathan programmed Ava to never be able to rebel, to never be able to, to independently resist him, like Ava would lack the ability to like love her creator. No, Ava doesn't love her creator, but also her creator's not worthy of love. He doesn't mm. do anything to her that's worthy of love. And I just think that the contrast of that story shows the importance of love in creation, how essential, and I think sometimes overlooked that is, that like, it's just like, well, God created, you know, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, great. You know, and then you move on, but it's just how like infused with love, the mere act of creation is and what, if God didn't create out of love, what a terrifying prospect that would be for us where we are now down the line and then every step of the way to reach here, it would be like Nathan. <laughs> and we would have a very, we already have a contentious relationship because of sin apart from Christ, but 
it would be even that much more devastating, <laughs> uh, you know, and obviously a fight that, that humanity can't win, um, which in this movie, obviously the created one, um, so yeah, differences, but, um, I don't know. That's where my mind goes. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, even that question of like, <clears throat> what does it feel like to have created something that hates you? Mm -hmm. Depending on the creator, that feeling, like the answer to that question is very different because Nathan is seemingly very indifferent. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't care. You don't <laughs> even really hate. Like, you don't even yeah. know what that means. Cry like, more. Right? <laughs> yeah. You stupid robot. Yeah. Give me that picture. <laughs> well, he's just trying to trick her to plant the camera. Right. Yeah. yeah. He's not even really yeah, yeah, he's trying even, to like, Right. Engage yeah. in an actual conversation. He doesn't respect her. And, yeah. yeah. But like if, uh, if, I mean, with God, it's like, if someone's saying that to God, like, how does it feel to, you know, be hated by your creation? He's like heartbroken by that. Right. Or if like a, if a child asked that, you know, of any good right. parent, if a, if the child really hated their parent and said something like that and asked That's, that yeah. question to them, that'd be heartbreaking. Like, right. And so it's just an, it's an interesting question because it really, the answer to it really does change depending on the orientation of the mm -hmm. creator. And it's a wide gambit, I would mm -hmm. say, of answers that, that could be, could be given there. Yeah. And, and, and in, in a way, I mean, it's just, it's interesting because with God, it's almost like he, it's hard how to say it, but it, he lets us affect him to some degree, which is really interesting because like Nathan doesn't let his creations affect him because he knows like he's above them, which I don't disagree with him on necessarily, <laughs> but like God, God would be in the same place. It would, like mm -hmm. he would be, he would have the same right to, he's so far above us that it's not wrong of him to, for him to not be affected by us. But because he loves us, he like lets himself uh, and like allows himself to love us in ways that even can be hurtful to him, mm -hmm. which is really interesting. Yeah. Is Nathan doesn't, con um, yeah, Nathan doesn't confer any dignity or worth to his creation. Right. And so there's no desire for relationship apart from scientific merit. And mm -hmm. so there's no desire for, he doesn't care about how Ava responds to him or any of his robots respond to him apart from, more information to make it better. Right. There's no genuine desire for love or connection or intimacy. Yeah. And that's the difference. And it's a major, mm. massive difference. Yeah. Um, and it would change who he was and what his relationship with him yeah. would be like. If At he the was. very least, I think he would have enjoyed himself more if yeah. he, if he. Maybe he wouldn't gotten a knife like, in his front and back. Yeah. Well, that's probably true too. <laughs> uh, Aaron's having another moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's falling asleep. <laughs> Did you guys read about Bluebeard at all during this? Mm -mm. During any of your, any of your uh, research? Did you like see that? It's vaguely familiar, but I don't know. I never heard yeah. of this before, um, but apparently it's like an old fairy tale. I was just reading some stuff about it, the movie. It's an old fairy tale where this, uh, I think he's like a king or something, and he gets married to the, or he has had all these wives and they all die and everybody's like, well, that's kind of weird, but he's the king, so nothing happens. And so this, he marries this another woman, and she comes into the house, and somehow she like stumbles into his bedroom, and he oh, has it's like the one door you're not allowed the, in. Yes, yeah, yeah, it's the one door, right? So it's like it's the like doors thing, yeah. yeah. And she goes in, and yeah, she has like a key or something, and then she finds like all of the 
dead wives, like the past mm. wives are all like their bodies are all hanging up in the, in his room. And it's like very much that scene, mm-hmm. uh, at the end there where he has like all the cabinets. Um, so apparently it's playing off of that. Mm. I've never heard of that story, but I heard of it whenever I was looking this up and I thought it just a little, just a little, uh, just a little, a little bedtime story. Story. Yeah. Yeah. for anybody uh, who's still listening. There like, you go. For the record, I would never do anything like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously. Of Austin. Yeah. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> All right, what are we writing on? Man, I didn't even think about that at all. I definitely helicopters. I nominate dancing robots. Dancing, yeah, robots. Let's do dancing robots. Yeah, dancing robots are good. Uh, I'm gonna give it four and a half dancing robots. I liked it. I like uh, talking about it. It was more fun. I I don't know. I like the movie. I wish I'd had more. I wish I'd written them down because I had things while I was watching it. There, there's some things that I felt like it did kind of like a little too on the nose. I can't think of anything in particular right now, but there was, there was some lines where it felt like it didn't trust the audience as much as it could have. I felt like, and I, I like subtle movies in general. Um, so there are parts wherever I wish it had been like a little bit more subtle. I wish Caleb had like caught on a little bit faster He's just kind of a doofus the whole time. And you're like, come on, uh, which is maybe realistic, but I don't know. So I, yeah, I, I, but I like talking about it, uh, made me like it more. So I'll give it four and a half. Yeah. I give it four dancing robots. Um, I really like it. I think for me, it's more, um, I'm, I feel pretty sensitive to like, just like movie vibes. And this one has a pretty heavy, like and steady uh, vibe throughout. And it's like, I think that's one reason I love the dancing scene. Cause it's, mm. it really does surprise you as an audience. Cause the, the vibe of the movie is so heavy. And then out of nowhere, there's this like comedic scene and you're like, what? And it's really like, it has great effect. And um, the movie probably doesn't work as well if they, try and sprinkle that throughout, but just the way that I watch movies and enjoy them, it was a lot for me to just, mm. uh, when I was done, I was like, man, I'm just kind of like sad. Like I need to go <laughs> walk my dog or something. Um, and so four, four dancing robots. Do you ever four see Annihilation? Robots. I don't think so. Okay. I never saw it. I'm just curious. It's, it's Alex Garland's second writer director movie. Okay. Um, very, I, I never saw it because I didn't think mm-hmm. I'd like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it struck me as a movie you would like. Okay. Like it's very Check abstract, it very beautiful. Natalie Portman's in it. It's like a scientist. They have to like cross over into this portal thing. Yeah, it's like a it's, futuristic okay. thing. It sounds familiar. And it's, uh, I think it gets a little weird, yeah. uh, maybe too weird for me, but right in your mm-hmm. sweet spot. I don't know, I'm just curious. It's, you are sensitive to vibes and yeah. I was curious if, if it's a Garland thing or... I don't know. What was his most recent? Um, something that yeah, didn't get a lot of attention. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. He, he's still young. Right. So I, I'm, it's always interesting seeing like a voice emerge or, um, I don't I'm just curious. He was, uh, he did 20. Men was men. the one. Yeah. Oh, he Which did I that? Didn't see. Oh, I didn't see it, but I did not hear very good things about it. 
A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. It does have Jesse Buckley fun. in it, though. I Jessie really like Buckley. her a lot. She's she's really good. She's in a lot of good weird stuff. But I heard that movie was not that great. Anyway, I maybe unsurprisingly, and I feel like I've been in a generous mood lately, but <laughs> I love this movie. It's an easy five for me. I... I'm a character guy. I love, as I've said plenty of times already, uh, I love the three main characters. I love how interchangeable you can see them in, in multiple lights. Uh, I feel like they're sketched well. Um, I love that it plums deep questions, uh, such as, you know, <laughs> like the essence of humanity, uh, how we treat non-human but sentient beings, you know. And robots uh, dance creation. well. <laughs> oh, we already knew that. <laughs> um, There's a dance yeah. called the robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but robots don't do it. <laughs> humans pretending to be robots. <laughs> what if like 10% of the population is like Ava? You wouldn't know. Whoa. You wouldn't yeah. know. How about oh, that? I'm going to have to <laughs> start peeling <laughs> start people's skin back. It's <laughs> the only way to be sure, That's Ian. Get way. your razor yeah. out. Um, I got to so, figure yeah. out with myself first. <laughs> I've had my question. This has been a long Turing test <laughs> and I'm still not quite sure what the outcome is. Um, I actually did cut myself with a knife today accidentally. But did you bleed? And? I yeah. did bleed. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see anything did weird Did anyone in there, else see so. this? <laughs> uh, yeah. I feel like there was a Terminator movie uh, where they advanced where there was like a little bit of blood underneath the skin. Yeah. Like later on. It's uh, well, the scene I think of is when they go to the yeah. the doctor who made the Skynet originally, and he's showing him. The doctor yeah. doesn't believe him. I think they're back in the past, and so Arnold like cuts his forearm to show him he's a. I feel like that's isn't that Terminator Two? Yeah, I feel like like one of the later ones he does. Oh, they've advanced. And there's to, like yeah, they advance to make it like at least yeah. a little bit of blood to fool someone. Yeah. Anyway, I'm far afield at this point. I love movies with references to Dennis Nedry. <laughs> I love movies with completely just out of nowhere dance scenes. Um, and honestly, I, I I'm fascinated by manipulation. Mm. I, I love, and I think this is a, a really interesting treatment of manipulation in like a triangle setting. So, um, easy five for me. Um, recommendations. Recommendations. I've got two recommendations. Uh, one of them is the new Blade Runner. Mm -hmm. 2049, I think. I don't know, some high I've number. heard this <laughs> compared as a, a mashup between Frankenstein and Blade Runner. Interesting. Yeah, I think Blade Runner is maybe kind of the easy ones I'm just throwing out there. Yeah, I, no. I only saw the movie once. I didn't love it, honestly, but yeah, maybe you'll like it. Yeah, I don't know. If you, if <laughs> maybe you midwit to like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All you people that don't have podcasts. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. Just kidding. No, I don't know. I have friends who really like that movie. So if you like the vibe side of it, but aren't as interested in some of the questions it's asking, maybe go watch that movie. Um, the second one, you dumb midwits. <laughs> I was going to say that's the nicest way to call someone a midwit I've heard yet. Uh, I'll take it then. Take I'm, it. I feel like most of the things I say are not the nicest way to say anything. Um, the second one is tar actually, which we just basically did that. Not because it's also a robot from interstellar. Um, but one, Ava is definitely more human than tar. As a, yeah. I mean, for sure. 
<laughs> manipulation. We talked a lot about manipulation in Tar. That movie, if you want to learn how to manipulate people, go watch that movie. Uh, and two, also, it talks... <laughs> It's, it's funny, she uses the imagery of being a robot a lot, Tar, in that movie. Um, like, she calls other people robots who aren't doing something original or aren't, like, creating their own art. And it so it, it does kind of raise some interesting questions of, like, well, what does it mean to be original and how, I don't know, just what's what's valuable um, for humans to be doing and how how ethical is it to, like, push other things out of the way to value that art and that autonomy. Um, yeah. For the sake of something that you could call like more transcendent or higher than just being nice to people. And I don't know, there's some interesting questions around there. So yeah, I, I really like that movie. We talked about it pretty recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it has, uh, it has some similarities. So those are my two. And yeah, also she is like a robot in a lot of ways. So can't argue with that. If there was anybody who is an actual AI, it might be her. Mm. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> she has perfect time. That's, that's yeah, right. That's that is suspicious. A little <laughs> suspicious, to say the least. <laughs> uh, my recommendation is Gattaca. Have you guys seen that? Oh, one? yeah. A long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, it's older. I think it's Ethan Hawk. Um, yeah, it's been a while. But um, yeah, if you like thinking about the kind of ethics or, or even morality of um, it's kind of human advancement and um, the role of technology in that, uh, it's, a, it's a really good movie, but it has a lot of those themes as well. I am going to take a page out of Ian's book <laughs> and recommend a movie I didn't really like. Um <laughs> I thought you were going to do Les Mis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to wean us off of Les Mis jokes and lead by example, as difficult as it is for me. Um, I It's a movie that came out last year, um, whereas Ian was not so subtly insulting the intelligence of, of the Blade Runner fans. Man. I think this movie is actually, if you like ex machina but want a more pretentious version hmm. uh it's a film called after yang um oh, it made a lot that. of like critic lists I, I i found it there's a lot of like best of like the first half of 2022 and a lot of people had after yang one and everything everywhere all else too hmm. and so i loved everything everywhere all at once so i went to see after yang and it has Colin Farrell and his glorious eyebrows. And it's about like a AI robot that's like a, like a, uh, like a, a nurse, not a nurse. Like what do you, nanny, thank you. <laughs> but it's like a man nanny. <laughs> a, a man nanny. <laughs> <laughs> and it, uh, it's like an older model and it breaks down and then dies. And it's just a lot of questions mm. around it. So like transplanted memories and mm. just some of the same big picture, what is human, the blurry line between consciousness and humanity and all that kind of stuff. A little too slow and pretentious for me, but a lot of smart, sophisticated people mm. liked it. So if you want something more refined, I'd say check that out if that's your taste. Um, as far as actual, I have two others, uh, but the show that I'm a man of the people, they're both TV recommendations. Oh, wow. Um, and so you can come join the other midwits, uh, <laughs> in watching TV. If you like Domino Gleason and you like robots, 
there's a Black Mirror episode mm-hmm. called Be Right Back where he is actually, there's this service that uh, this, this elderly woman and this elderly couple, the husband passed and you could before passing like, it's been a couple mm. of years, so I might get some of these details wrong, but essentially upload the consciousness mm. and then like this robot gets delivered to you that has all of your spouse's mm. uh, like memory and personality and everything, but just in the form of a, maybe they weren't elderly. Maybe he died young. I don't know. But Domino Gleason's in it, robot, some similar things. Black Mirror is very much in the vibe of, of Ex Machina. Um, so check that out. It's on Netflix. Um and then this is probably my favorite non sequitur dance sequence <laughs> in all of film that I can think of, at least off the top of my head. My favorite non sequitur dance sequence. Um, and honestly, I want more people to watch this show. It's on Apple TV, so no one gets it or no one sees it, but it's a show called Severance. Um, oh, yeah. I've heard really good it's things fantastic. about It's yeah. fantastic. I loved it. It's got Adam Scott. Um, and the, the big idea is that you can voluntarily do this procedure with your brain. It's a science fiction show where who you are at work and who you are out of work, there's like a, a mental wall. And so when you're in work, you're the same person, but you have you retain no memories. There's a wall. Mm-hmm. So your work memories are yours and you retain them, but that's only within the confines of work. And then when you're out of work, you have your memories and you, you have no way of, of, of breaching that wall back or forth. And so that sounds like from like you and me, that sounds like great work sucks. Like if I can wall that off in my consciousness, I'm only ever doing fun non-work things, but it kind of shows like the, the ones who are like inside the work, it's like you're perpetually at work. Like, mm. like the equivalent of like going to sleep, you, it's like instantaneous. You wake up and you're at work again. You're always uh, working. And they yeah. slowly start it's to- It's terrible, yeah. It's horrible. And they, they it ends up being like, the, they call them the outies and the innies. <laughs> and it's just like, it's actually like- I've a, been wanting to watch It's a very that. interesting yeah. explore. It's only one season so far. I know they're making more, but and I don't want to spoil it because it, it's not, but there's this- Complete out of nowhere, fantastic top tier non sequitur dance sequence that honestly rivals this one. That's just fantastic. So, if you like dance sequences and you like really good sci fi TV shows, watch Severance. Um, you won't regret it. That's my spiel. I think we're done. I think only a machine would not be fatigued at this point. Yeah, time for bed. So, Cause I am You're faking not it well. a robot. <laughs> <laughs> I need sleep like all you other humans. Join join us next week when we explore the the less tech version of a humanoid robot. <laughs> Sit on that one for a while. It's the middle right. of robots. <laughs> <laughs> of AI. Oh, uh, see you then. You flipping through the channels late at night, looking for a movie. Yeah, you're doing it right. Called up Tim. I called up Ian. I wanted to know which movie are we seeing? Cause some make you laugh and some make you cry. I wanna know. Are your thoughts like mine?